Rogue Radio. Now available on Mixcloud at mixcloud.com forward slash rogue country. Keep it rogue. What's going on guys? Welcome to another episode of Into the Van. I'm Mike West and I'm super excited to be back doing Into the Van again. I took like a month and a bit break, not on purpose, not planned. It was just schedules didn't line up. I was pretty lazy in chasing people and it wasn't one of those things that I kind of bothered with if I'm honest in the last like month and a bit just you know the music's been doing really well I've had some great shows I got to open for Willie and the Bandits the other week and that was super fun and yeah the music's been picking up Mothman's been doing really well so I haven't had much time for Into the Van and I've not wanted to you know make time for it if I'm honest it's one of those things that I really enjoy talking to people but if I can't book people and I'm not it's not the end of the world, I'll do something else, I'll, you know, enjoy my free time, which I hope you're enjoying your free time, but I got sent some emails of artists that I just couldn't pass up, and one of those artists was David Quinn, who we're going to be speaking to today, Uh, I hope you're having a good week, I hope you're having a good month since we last spoke, I'm going to go see Drew Dixon tonight in Blackpool, Uh, you may know Drew from I had him on the podcast a while back, he's a phenomenal guy, I'm really looking forward to meeting him in the flesh, and getting to see him play live, in real, in real time, in real life it's going to be fun and i hope you guys have been doing something interesting i hope you've been going to some shows if you're feeling safe enough for it it's been really fun to see live music coming back and seeing people kind of ease back into it and it's been a nice thing to you know witness and be a part of Uh, i've got sierra ferrell coming to birkenhead in june which is crazy alongside possessed by paul james so we've got sierra ferrell on the 27th of june and possessed by paul james on the 29th of june and possessed by paul james also has grave dancer who's been on this podcast and chris dover who will be on this podcast the second i can pin him down to get him onto it so keep an eye out for those shows buy tickets if you're local to birkenhead liverpool we're all merseyside and this kind of area sierra, sierra ferrell's only got this northwest show so if you want to see the phenomenal sierra ferrell you're only going to be able to see it here um if you've been listening to mothman i really appreciate it it's out on all streaming services and i'm going to drop a little preview for you now Again, it's over on Bandcamp if you want to buy. We've got some amazing t-shirts designed, done by Eaten Alive, illustrations about Mothman. I saw Mothman. Get your t-shirt here at Bandcamp, mike333west.com. Mothman is available on all streaming services, but let's get down to the main event, people. David Quinn is not necessarily the creator of Black Dare Country, but one of those people that is making a real racket with that sound. It's honky tonkin it's got that country swagger to it it's got that homage to the traditional that i really like and i got sent an email by sweetheart pr from uh, rachel and i'd had previously worked with her to talk to charles wesley godwin who's got an album that's phenomenal and the danberries who are also phenomenal and she sent me this record saying 
you know, this is David Quinn. He's bringing out a new album soon, Country Fresh. Would you like to chat to him? And the second I listened to this Country Fresh record, I knew I had to. It's such a joyous and fun record, but not in a parody way, not in a silly way. It's serious. It's got serious songs. The songwriting in it is, you know, it has intent, but it's got such like a light, joyous step to it, a side to it that I really just loved. And it's capturing what, if someone's saying Country Fresh, I feel like this is a perfect encapsulation of it. So I really enjoyed talking to David. It was the first time we'd met. It's the first time we talked. And I think we really hit it off. I had a great conversation with him and I hope it comes through to you guys as well. Country Fresh is available now and it is everywhere, every streaming platform. You can buy it from his website. But without further ado, this is episode 47 of Into the Van with Mike West and David Quinn. I've just been like I spend like an hour before I start talking to people just like to refresh myself and I was listening to a new album which comes out tomorrow Country Fresh and I've just gone back and started listening to Wandering Fool and you've got um it's grassy trails on Wandering Fool and you've got it on the new album what was the thought process behind read like redoing and reshaping that song yeah yeah um it's cool you caught that there's a a a lot of folks who haven't caught that yet. So it's good to hear <laughs> um, a chance to talk about it. But um, yeah, you know, I put that first record out and um, when I had recorded that first record, I hadn't really played those songs with a band or anything. So mm-hmm. uh, my engineer um, who engineered the first one, Andre, he, you know, he kind of had an idea of, um, you know, I kind of just played it for him acoustic and he kind of had some ideas how to put that one together. So we just tracked it. And like, mm-hmm. I, I was really happy with how it came out and everything. Um, but you know, I came back to Illinois after I made that first record. I mean, this is years ago now, but, um, put my band together, which is still some of the guys I play with now. And we just started playing and it kind of turned into the work version it is now mm. pretty quickly. I mean, within like a couple of months. So it was kind of weird. I started playing that song and it sounded nothing like it was on the record mm-hmm. and it was a uh, sort of a staple in my set. I mean, I was, I would play it almost every show and I, it was right in the beginning of my set too. So um, I figured since I'm playing it so much and some, I really enjoyed playing. I was like, you know, maybe we'll give it a proper re-recording of mm-hmm. um, the way I do it and the way, way it kind of was more in my head. So I, that's kind of how I got mm-hmm. to redoing that one. Yeah. Nice man. I think obviously if you've been playing that song for so long, it's not necessarily you can get bored of it, but the way it morphs and it can take on new meaning and when you play it live, it takes on the whole thing. It was interesting to see because I feel like your first records got a bit more of like a rock, all country sound. Well, this is more of, I don't like to say, because people sometimes say polish like it's a bad thing, mm-hmm. but it's this is a more like laser focused, like style was that conscious. Because I think I read that the band you had there, they weren't really country musicians. Did that play a part in how it's been shaped going forward? Um, yeah, a little bit. There's certainly um, totally different players on um, compared to Wandering Fool to now. And then mm-hmm. I have that record in the middle, which was Letting Go, um, which some of the people on this new record were from that. I were also on my last record. But um, yeah, I mean, I think a big part of the difference from that gap was that um, like I said, I was kind of 
traveling around when I recorded and wrote a lot of that first record. Um, and I really just wrote those songs by myself. I mean, I always write them by myself, but you know, I didn't really have a band at that time to run them by and kind mm. of work them out. So, you know, I went in and again, Andrea kind of put the band together and um, it kind of just kind of morphed into what it, it did with this record. Um, you know, I had a much, I had much more time to think about that. You know, I, I also, I play drums. So when I write a song, I kind of know how I want it to sound on drums um, and, you know, lead parts and things like that. So I had a lot more time to kind of figure it out. I pretty much went in there knowing for the most part, how I wanted it beginning to end. Um, that being said, the the great musicians on this new record definitely had ideas that were mm. great and helped morph, you know, kind of the sound, but um, it was much more premeditated. I think uh, this, this newer record. And I think that probably is why it reflects in sort of a, um, a more of a directed kind yeah. of sound. Cool, man. And let's like, just go back to the kind of your origin story. When did you pick up a guitar? When did you start playing and writing? Yeah. Um, you know, probably. So I, I grew up playing drums. I, I played drums since I was really young. I mean, I played, you know, for like my fifth grade assemblies, you know, mm. so I was probably started playing drums in like, you know, I don't know, second or third grade. Like I started pretty, pretty young mm. on that. My brother and my dad always played guitar. So we always had guitars around the house and I would play a little bit. Um, you know, I still don't consider myself too much of a guitar player necessarily. <laughs> um, mm. You know, I don't really move past that fifth fret, but uh, <laughs> you know, I'm, I more enjoy the writing process and then, you know, sort of a means to an end, I have to play guitar and sing my own songs. But um, the writing part is definitely more, more the yeah. passion for me. So I wrote songs, you know, I, I, I wrote a lot, you know, like poetry, just kind of thoughts in general mm. um, while I played drums and I would fiddle around on guitar a little bit over the years, but um I mean, I don't think I played a guitar in front of anyone till I was like, you know, probably like 17, 18 or something. So, mm. um, and even then it was so, you know, it was still pretty scarce. You know, I, I didn't get serious, a little bit more serious about like practicing and trying to learn a little bit more about guitar until, you know, probably, you know, seven years ago mm. or so. That's when I started to take it a little bit more seriously. So mm. cool, man. And what was the catalyst behind the drums? Cause I feel like, everyone needs a drummer in this world so i'm i'm surprised no one the second you paid up because i just like knocked it out of your hands and was like no you're doing a national <laughs> service by playing drums you need to be in at least six bands right well it's so <laughs> it's so funny actually that's exactly why it took me so long to to do my own thing is i was staying so busy i mean i was playing yeah, drums yeah. like my brother was in a, a pretty kind of well-known band around like just where we grew up so, you know, we started a band. Um, is it an older brother? Yeah, he's an older brother. Yeah. yeah. So your dad and your brother were like, we need a drummer. And yeah, that's right. where you came into the picture. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's so easy, of course. So I'm like, okay. And then, you know, they were always better. They were older, so they'd been playing longer. So they, they hung out with people who were better musicians than me and everything. So being around people that I looked up to, especially at that super young age, um, you know, it kind of pushed me to just try to get better and better at drums. So, you know, we eventually started a band, um, you know, that was multiple different formations. And then um, I played with, you know, everyone around town and I, and then I moved to California. I played drums for a band out there, one of my best friends bands. We, we toured around the West coast and stuff. Um, and that's kind of really where it happened right after I graduated high school, I moved out to California, traveled to play drums. And then, that was when I was like, I just want to play my own songs because yeah. I was so sick of playing drums for everybody else. <laughs> uh, it's just exactly like you said. It's so, you know, you, 
you could be in high demand if you play drums. So, uh, yeah, that's kind of funny. Yeah. Then I just decided, you know, I'm going to just quit everything else and just try to, you know, try to figure out how to sing and play guitar so I can play my own songs. Yeah. Cool, man. And I was reading before that you did some writing in general, obviously you've just mentioned talking about poems and stuff. How did journaling kind of help define? Cause I know I recently read a Matthew McConaughey's green book where he's, that's all like his journal excerpts and how he made sense of things. Mm-hmm. And he swears by how you can help it to get a handle on your life. Was that something that you have learned from that process? Do you still journal and write mm-hmm. stuff down in that sense? Yeah. I really want to read that book, by the way, I've heard really good things about it. Yeah. It's, um, I highly recommend it. it is good he's crazy but occasionally like a broken box right twice a day and every now and then he's really on the fucking money right oh that's killer yeah i'm gonna pick that up this is the last reminder i needed for it um <laughs> so yeah i still i still journal a lot and write down thoughts and phrases and sayings and just all that kind of stuff i have notebooks filled with just you know random thoughts and stuff um i think it helped me a lot i mean that that's what really sort of you know i always looked up to people um, like Bukowski and um, Allen Ginsberg and all the kind of older uh, poetry and, and writers and stuff. Um, and yeah, I think just getting my thoughts out on paper, especially then, because I, I didn't really play guitar or sing or know how to, you know, kind of come up with melodies and such. It was a good way to get some thoughts out. But, yeah. uh, you know, that was like the perfect thing when I was finally starting to play guitar, I would come back to those and that's where all my songs come from. Yeah. I mean, even on the new record, um, like the song heartland you know that's Mm. sort of just a love song to the midwest out here and like that was pretty much started as a poem i was just writing and then i was like oh this could be this could be a song you know if Mm. we work it out right so um i think it's sort of it's definitely my entrance way into writing songs it's just all that kind of journaling and and, and writing down thoughts and such cool man because like the song i just want to feel all right that feels like something that may have sprung from a general something that's like a really honest way of putting that in and then the way the music builds and stuff i just felt mm-hmm. that was a really sincere track did that come from the same type of process yeah yeah absolutely i appreciate that by the way um yeah it i find it easier to kind of write down uh, more like frank serious feelings also when i'm just writing it in a notebook and i'm not sitting right with the guitar thinking like this is going to be a song you know it's just it's kind of easier to just be writing in, in the notebook mm-hmm. and then you know, coming back to and turning it into a song. Yeah. Um, but yeah, absolutely. That's another good example of that. That sort of chorus started as some thoughts and then kind of developed into like a poem ish kind of thing. And then, you know, I knew like, okay, I'd like to turn this into a song. So yeah. absolutely. Yeah. It's a hard balance, I think, because I've talked to other songwriters and it's, you start experiencing things and there's always a part of your brain that goes, this is a song idea. But then it almost starts to cheapen the emotions you're feeling it's like you start feeling like you're selling out your emotional process for the sake of a song instead of just being in the moment to feel those things so it's interesting to be able to write something down and feel it then and there and then you know go back to it in hindsight or with just like Mm -hmm. a clearer more distance after you felt it to do it because it's a hard line to balance i think walking those things yeah yeah that's a that's a really good um that's a really good point that I don't think I've heard anyone say before that it, that is true. And I I've done it too, right. Where I've, I've heard a phrase or whatever. And I mean, I have a notebook and on my phone and I'll go right in and write it down. And then you're already thinking of ideas and you're right. You, you almost get away from the actual feeling because you're trying to turn it into something instead of 
kind of experiencing it and then coming back to it. Yeah, that's a that's a really good point. Yeah, yeah, it's it's always a hard line to walk. I think it's a weird one because, like, I remember there's a track called "You Will See Me" by a guy called Scroobius Pip, this English rapper, mm-hmm. and it's about like a breakup and things. And he, someone was like, "Is it about you?" Or is, and he was like, "It's partly about someone else, but I didn't want to cheapen their emotional experience by stealing it." And it was an interesting like thought process of acknowledging that this is actually a serious thing. It's not just something that should be consumed for entertainment. It's something you have to sit with and chew for a while. Right. Wow. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. It's a, it's a really interesting thought too. And it's so true. It's kind of like photography and stuff too. Mm. You know, it's like, it's a fine line of, you know, taking the moment in as opposed to taking your phone out or your camera right away and capturing the moment yeah. too. Cause it's like, now you have the moment forever, but did you really experience it there? You know, it's a, yeah. It's yeah. an interesting thing to think about. Yeah, it's a hard one. I remember years and years ago, I did a skydive. And um, oh, cool. my mom and my girlfriend at the time went with me. And without telling me, they paid for like the filming of it. And I kind of was, I didn't want it to happen because I didn't want my memory to be erased of whenever I watch it, I'll remember it from that point of view instead right. of the point of view that I actually went through it with. Right. It, was a, it was a weird thing to reconcile. Like, I don't want... like a weird confused memory of it yeah yeah that's so true i get that a lot with you know like childhood stuff you know Mm -hmm. i'll remember the home video version of it and not actually experiencing it and that's yeah it's the same thing yeah Yeah. it's crazy one but with them obviously country fresh is out tomorrow and a sold out show in chicago Mm -hmm. that's gotta be a good feeling oh yeah i'm uh i'm so excited to sell it out a couple days in advance too it's just such a special, special thing too, especially after the last couple of years. I mean, mm. um, you know, I, I've only played around town a couple of times and like, you know, none of those were kind of like a headline, my, my mm. show thing. It was, you know, I hopped on some other bands, um, shows. So it really felt good to, to have sort of a pointed show mm. of me. And I kind of handpicked, you know, my two other artists that are, are going to open up the show and it just, it feels so special. I'm just totally honored. I mean, I, I was just saying, uh, today, I can't get any work done. I mean, all I can think about is tomorrow. I can't wait to get out there. So yeah. Who else is uh, playing with you? Who's opening the show? So uh, the show's going to start with uh, my buddy. They're in a, buddies. They're in a band called the family gold. Um, mm. Really cool. Like upright fiddle um, guitar, kind of a real nice kind of intro into the night. And then my buddy, Mikey G is going to be playing before me. Um, and he's kind of got like a country rockabilly sound. Um, he's a good buddy of mine in Chicago and he's kind of on like the North side of Chicago. Um, really good buddy of mine too, that I've known for a while. And we, we really get along well. So I think he's going to do a good, good, uh, good job of getting everybody riled up and then, then I'll get on. So I'm excited. Cool, man. I'm with, I think is it you are from just outside of Chicago. So was Chicago the main city that you initially started? playing and was it open mics and things you start out with or how did you get started and when you had the songs you'd written to start getting them out to the world yeah so I had lived I grew up yeah probably about 40 to 50 miles west of the city um so you know it was always like as a kid we'd go in for for games and, and concerts and stuff but I mean it was still whatever 45 minute drive or so so I was living when I really kind of decided to start you know, doing this and trying to play out. I was living a little bit farther west of the city. So I was playing out there a little bit. Um, I had met uh, some buddies of mine who were in a band called the Giving Tree Band that was is 
was pretty big at the time. Um, it kind of took me under their wing and they have a studio. So I ended up recording like a little EP there that I never put out or anything, but, um, and then they took me on the road, they toured full time and, you know, made a living playing music. So they took me out on a bunch of shows and, um, they were really the first people to really kind of like give me a, you know, kind of believe me and, and say, Hey, like we'll help you out a little bit. So Mm -hmm. that was really kind of where I cut my teeth. So that's still way outside of the city. Um, and then I, I got into the city and started playing um, out there as well. But I had already played a lot of these venues as a drummer in yeah. Chicago. So it was so it was so different. And like, I didn't book any of those, you know, I was just a drummer. So I just show up and play. So now it was totally different booking at these venues. You know, I'm, it, they're my songs. It's my band. So um, it was a really kind of weird, like, uh, you know, 360 coming yeah. around that way. So then I kind of just started over in Chicago and, and built up and, um, I now live in Indiana, so not too far out. Um, mm. but, uh, it's kind of good to just get back there. It still feels like, you know, I'm not really a city guy, but it, it still feels kind of, you know, kind of like home when I get yeah. everyone together in Chicago for a show like this. So mm. cool, man. Was there anything you learned from booking those early shows? Like to start, like, did you have a mind of like, obviously you said you wanted to grow it. You wanted to get out there and start building a base. Was there anything you had in mind that you needed to do? to kind of achieve that as like the first seven blocks of booking those shows. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I remember in the beginning thinking like, Oh, I'm not even going to be able to book a show, you know, (laughs) who's going to book me, but uh, you know, you eventually, you eventually get the first show and then you get a bunch, but um, yeah, I mean the, the goal in the very beginning was just like, I just want to play my songs in front of people. Um, And I was pretty determined to, to do that. I mean, I was playing, I did, you know, I did tons of open mics and songwriter nights and stuff like that, but I wanted to put like a group of players together, make a record and then start playing. Mm-hmm. So um, that's exactly what I did. I mean, that was really my, my focus. Cause I, my biggest thing was confidence, like in singing and playing guitar. Cause it, you know, I just, I was, I was confident as a drummer, you know, I could mm-hmm. kind of play with, with whoever I could at least hang good enough. You know, I'm not the best drummer in the world by any means, but I could, I could get by. So this was a totally different thing. And I was like, Oh, I, I got to prove to myself. I got to, I felt like I had to prove to other people too. So um, that was my biggest hurdle was like book shows, get in front of people and get comfortable playing mm-hmm. and singing guitar and kind of get those nerves off. And I mean, I still get, you know, I still have nerves, but it, you know, it, it was a good couple of years of just doing that, like, you know, three, four shows a week and yeah. like, to really break it in and I felt so much better after those couple of years I could look back and I'm like wow I you know I was like shaking in the beginning and now I can at least be a little more comfortable so I think yeah. that was the most important thing for me personally cool man and was that when you started having plays and was it you noticed more of a response when you had a band with it as opposed to like being on your own with an acoustic um you know I I actually I love doing both and I get good responses either way but I um I had been doing so much. I had been playing drums as a band. So I was used to a band mm. kind of feel. And then I went from that to like opening acoustic for my buddies who took me out and um, playing more songwriter type of things, which I loved because it helped also kind of cut my teeth and be vulnerable. Um, but I've always had this, you know, in the back of my head, like I love the idea of, a, you know, while it's still not a band, it's my stuff, but yeah. I've been playing with at least three of the guys, um, since I started um, that are still with me now. And um, I've always loved that sense of like a band, even if it's, you know, just the same guys you're around all the time. You get that sort of 
connection, playing with people. So I think that was, uh, that's like always been in the back of my head. Even when I was playing solo, I'm like, oh, gosh, I can't wait to have some, some guys behind me again. So then, or people behind me again. And then that's kind of, I think why I, I kind of jumped and said, I'm going to try to put some players together. Cool, man. And with, I think people don't realize how big a jump it is, even from a drummer or anything to when you're actually singing in front of people, was there a point when you were like, oh shit, I don't actually sound that bad. And that kind of gave you the boost to do it. Because I know sometimes it can be, there's not, you can hear there isn't a confidence in the voice on tracks. And on your records, there's, you know, it's a fully confident, like you thought you'd have like hit the floor, like singing. So was there a point in time where you realized like, oh, I've got this. Oh man, well, thank you very much, by the way. I still get uh, tickled whenever I hear something uh, complimentary about <laughs> the vocals. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, I mean, there was, especially in like the very beginning, you know, at the end of shows, that would be my sort of biggest gripe was like, I just, you know, I got to get more comfortable because the way I would explain it to people, because people would be like, oh no, I thought it sounded good. My My sort of way to explain it is like on drums, I could easily express my feeling on drums. Like I could play harder. I could do a fill or whatever that is. Um, and I hear a lot of vocal melodies that I just couldn't hit in the beginning. Mm. And it, that's what was so frustrating. Also as a guitar player, I, I, I write some of the lead guitar parts, but I can't play them. I have to hum them to my buddy, which that I can kind of get over. But the vocal one, I've always like, I wish I could hit, hit these. Cause in, in, in the end, it's really just sort of like, the expression that I'm trying to yeah. come through. So that was tough, but I, you know, there was a time, there was a show probably like a year and a half in. Um, and I still remember like singing, playing there. And I was like, eh, it doesn't sound so, <laughs> it doesn't sound so bad. Uh, and then we got the board mix from it and I listened back and that's when I was like, Oh, okay. Like it's not as, you know, not as bad as I thought. And I think the confidence then kind of grew from there. And then going back to playing solo stuff, which I did, you know, some, I still do some songwriter stuff, which I really enjoy. Um, that's when I really, you know, you're so vulnerable and that's yeah. where I like really developed. Oh, great. The more confident I am, the better it sounds. So that's kind of where I think I made the the actual transition to being confident up there. Cool, man. And did you have any lessons or anything or is it just putting the hours in life? Yeah, no, no lessons at all. I mean, I took like formal drum lessons growing up, but, um, that doesn't help you <laughs> for guitar and singing. So now just, um, yeah, just, just putting the reps in really. Yeah. yeah. Sick man. And I read um, that this is a quote from you allegedly. I don't know how true this quote is, but when I heard towns for the first time, I couldn't write a song for six months because I ne- I would knew I'd never be that good. Is that a true? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I still remember the first time I heard Towns um, and yeah, and it just like blew my blew mm. absolutely blew my mind, especially once I dove into his, his catalog a little bit more. Mm. I mean, it really did. It was like a weird, almost depression where yeah. I just, you know, I don't know if it was six months, but it was definitely, you know, I was like, Oh God, you know, this is the bar I'm shooting for. And it's so far beyond yeah. where I'll ever be. So um, yeah, his stuff hit me really, really hard. Him and John Prine also, um, yeah yeah that townsend's particular definitely hit me pretty hard yeah. what was the thing that kind of snapped you out of it because i was talking to there's a guy in kentucky called james reed who's phenomenal and mm-hmm. um, i had him on the podcast a while back and he was talking in kentucky he's kind of from where tyler childers is from and he okay. said he knows about 50 people who hung up their guitars once 
Tyler hit the scene because they knew they wouldn't be that good. And we had mm-hmm. that discussion about just because you aren't going to hit Prine or Towns doesn't mean what you're doing isn't any less valid. It's just they found a way to not necessarily perfect it, but make it such a relatable thing. What was it that snapped you out of that kind of mindset and got you back to writing? Yeah. Um, I think, you know, I somehow came to that same conclusion that, you know, you know, I've gotten a, you know, a ton of nice messages throughout the years about songs that I've written in. Um, and those are kind of reminders that it's like, oh, okay, you know, maybe it's not on that level, but um, this also touches people the way, you know, in some way that, mm. you know, Towns has touched my life or John Prine has touched my life. So, I mean, even if it's one person like that, that was enough for me to be yeah. like, oh, okay. You know, it's, it's definitely worth, you know, to keep fighting for. I also think, you know, I like to have something to work towards. And yeah. even if that goal is uh, unattainable, <laughs> it'll get me through my life. So I think um, I also realized that, that that's, it's really good motivation to sort of just keep going, you yeah. know, musically. Yeah. I remember I was listening to, uh, is a hello in there when it's naked as the eyes of a clown. And it's just yeah. like, God damn it. What a fucking, <laughs> well, perfect line, zero fat. Let's just call it a day. <laughs> right yeah it's i mean it gives me chills that song i i just said to do a um interview and they asked me my favorite john prine song and i said hello in there i mean i don't know if it's my all-time it's one of my top favorites that still hits me to this day i mean and i saw him play it live uh like a couple years before he passed and like i mean it just honestly brought me to tears it's like such an incredible song and i think that he wrote that when he was you know still so young too which just it's just extraordinary. And then, you know, he, he wasn't, he's from not far from where I'm from, you know, he's from outside of Chicago as well. Um, so he was like the reason I really started to write songs. Mm-hmm. I heard him pretty young. Um, and I was like, Oh, you know, I've always liked more sort of twangy music and it was cool to hear like, Oh, this guy came from similar area and he's writing music that sounds like this. And, you know, there was a little bit of fun in some of his songs, yeah. but then he'd also write a serious song, um, similar to Towns Van Zandt and, uh, that's really what sparked it all for me. That mm. was like, oh, I, you know, I'm going to give this a shot. So, yeah. incredible. Yeah, no, it's amazing, man. I'm a huge uh, prime fan. I've got um, a Spanish pipe dream tattoo. Oh, killer! Um, that's great. Yeah, I've just got a TV exploding. <laughs> I love it. Blow up your TV. Yeah, yeah. that's great. Yeah, but it's Very one cool. of those things. Like, I just got his in uh, 1975 box set because I went to a, a record store and they had like his a uh, record store day exclusive that no one had bought. And mm-hmm. he reduced it, and I was like, well, that's fucking mine. And yeah. I was listening to it, and it's, uh, oh, is it live at the, oh, what the fuck? I can't remember where it's live. I think it's in New York. Um, okay. But it's just the way he balanced humor and the serious stuff. It's just an insane way that he did it. Like the intro he did to Angel from Montgomery, where he's talking about uh, this woman, and she sits down on the couch after doing the dishes. And she starts screaming and it's like a really heavy introduction. He's like, and I knew all this because I was a peeping Tom. And it's just, he managed to like bring it back. (laughs) Oh, that's so great. That's (laughs) so great. Yeah. It's really, it's, I mean, it's truly like masterful, you know, it's like, it's masterful. Him and Towns both did that where they would have these jokes between jokes and such serious songs. And, um, you know, there's the, on the John Prine side, like since he, he has that sort of Midwestern um, 
thing that I, I identify so much with because I'm just, you know, I also grew up in the Midwest and I think there's something specific about growing up in this area. And like, it's just so incredible. I mean, I, I still, still kind of try to study as much as I can. I want to look up that live record. Cause I don't know if I know. Yeah. Um, I think it's live at the other end. I think it might be. Okay. Let me just, yeah, I'm, I'm going to look that up after we, um, are off here but yeah i mean it's incredible even 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 in that song you know the flies they're buzzing you can hear mm-hmm. the, you can hear them they're buzzing like the way he'll just describe a scene is so simple and yet so effective and yeah. uh and just beautiful at the same time it's incredible mm. yeah but yeah it's uh, i've just give it a quick it's john prine live at the other end from 1975 okay. but with the midwest obviously you've put your flag in black day country mm-hmm is there anyone, obviously you talk about John Prine and your Midwest influences, is there anyone in yourself and contemporary influences you think kind of define that sound? Um, gosh, I, I don't know. I'm not totally sure. There are some other bands that are doing it that are around here and use that um, too. You know, I didn't come up with it or anything, but uh, I know there's other bands using that, but I'm not totally sure. I mean, I, I really kind of equate it to like – lifestyle and all that kind of stuff mm. too instead of you know not just strictly music um but not really i kind of go back to john prine when it comes to yeah. that stuff because he was you know at least from my understanding you know I, he, he was from illinois outside of chicago and sort of mixed all these different you know folk music kind of country yeah. a little bit of everything um so i kind of look back to him whenever i sort of talk about the midwest country thing or, or black deer country mm. Has anyone put it on a t-shirt? Yeah, because that'll get the first uh, credit. I uh, well, I did, so <laughs> yeah. you're in there. It's fine. I think it's yeah. I think I, I think I might be the first one to put it on a t-shirt. So uh, okay. it's it's in the bag. It's yours. Get it TM'd. There we go. <laughs> we'll take it. Yeah, I know. And, and to be honest, I mean, I hope I hope like people start. It'd be cool, you know. So I don't know if you're familiar, like Oklahoma country music. People still call it red dirt country, yeah. you know. So. Um, it would be cool if everyone started using it and it was just became a known thing. That's yeah. what, I mean, it would be great to sort of have a presence. Cause you know, like you talked about Kentucky, everyone's starting to, you know, I mean, Kentucky, there's been great artists coming from Kentucky forever, but now it's be, becoming a thing like, Oh, it's these, all these great songwriters. Everyone's starting to know like, Oh, they all come from Kentucky. And then there's, you know, the songwriters from Texas and um, songwriters from Nashville, but there's never really been this sort of like, oh, the Midwest country, even John Prine, people think of him as a Nashville guy a lot of the time mm-hmm. um, and don't know that, you know, he was, he was from here. So I don't know. I hope it, uh, hope it picks up either way. I'm going to keep running with it. So yeah, it's hard, man, because there's always arguments about genre and I wish country music fans and country music artists kind of embrace genre the way metal does. Cause obviously there's metal, and then everything breaks down into black, symphonic, death, post-death, yep. pre-death, thrash, whatever, whatever, whatever. Well, then it's like, this is country. That isn't. And it's like, <laughs> well, it's a, a version of country. It's That's right. Black Day country. That's Red Day country. This is Appalachian. This is Bluegrass. And I mm-hmm. wish there was a more accepting, like, wider reach of it because it's either it's country or it's not tends to be the most, like, mindset of most country fans. Yeah, I agree. That's very well said too. I um, I get that question a lot about, oh, do you call your music country or what? What kind of what do you call it? And that's part of the reason why the Black Dirt thing came up, um, is because I, if you were to just ask me, I would just say it's like country rock and roll kind yeah. of thing. But like, 
you know, you could make the argument that it's not rock and roll. You can make the argument that some of it's not country or whatever. So um, I think that's what they were trying to do with the Americana thing was like bunch it all together. But then I think people got sort of resentment of that term yeah. too. But so, I, I feel like Americana tried to take the teeth out of the thing. Right. It, it, right. There was something that it wasn't as sincere as what we're talking about yeah. of it being, you know what I mean? But yeah, I agree with you there for sure. Yeah. Cause like I've got my weird version of UK country that I call bastard country. Cause it's mm-hmm. just a bastardized version with like punk and rock and mm-hmm. different styles and stuff. And I just feel like just creating stuff and trying to set your own stamp, putting it on a t-shirt and hoping people resonate with it as a, better way than trying to be like well actually i'm ambient psychedelic like if you have to explain it in more than three words you've failed <laughs> like you, you need to keep it succinct and it needs to be like t-shirt worthy yeah i agree yeah 100 percent agree that's great i like the term bastard country too that's great <laughs> well it's just I've, i know i'm not like buck owens and i know i'm not like george jones or something like i got introduced recently as old country when i said alt country like mm-hmm. alt yeah, I, I have to be like, you have to reintroduce me because a lot of people are going to be disappointed if they think I'm about to go up there and be like right. something I'm not. And it's yeah. one of those things where it just helps you kind of not only in your own identity, but it gives people that expectation of what it's doing with Black Day Country. You know, it's of the land, you know, it's including the lifestyle, you know, it's got that country fresh thing to it. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I mean, it even sounds kind of cool right and like yeah. it's uh so we th- i thought my steel player had come up with it he's the one who just randomly came up with it and we're like oh my gosh this is great so i started using it and then once we looked it up we're like oh a couple other people had been saying versions of it mm. um so it's cool i mean i think it's slowly getting there but uh yeah. i agree i think it's um you know people get so caught up in these titles it's so so tricky yeah. and sometimes people would like a band but then they don't give it a shot maybe because of a certain title or not yeah. the title you know so yeah i think you know country music fans were it, it can be tricky a little bit yeah and i think they do need to embrace because obviously you had like the bakersfield side in california mm-hmm. and if people are kind of embraced it the same way there was like the new york punk movement the la mm-hmm. punk movement the london punk movement having the areas do affect things and it's an interesting thing yeah oh yeah for sure and you can like you can hear it in the sound which is so cool and that's what i think is so interesting that i still think to this day there hasn't there's not really a definitive um like midwest sort of movement i mean like even when you ask like is there contemporary i mean you know there's not really you can't really name like if you ask people oh what's like midwestern country there's not no no one really pushing it as that so Mm. i don't know i you know hopefully catches on a little bit more and we can start having some names to mention and me being one of those yeah no that would be sick with the midwest obviously it's a large place i'm not super familiar with because i'm in britain so Mm. like i think britain fits off like five or six times into the midwest or it'll it'll be something like that but do you tour much outside of illinois and stuff like how far like do you really go for shows and things yeah um so i've been traveling more recently and then um pending a couple things i think i'm gonna have a pretty busy year where i'll be getting out and um playing just about everywhere in the u.s um might be getting up to canada too in the fall which would be cool um but the midwest is also another arguable thing which is funny it's it's in the middle and people it's kind of hard to determine where that line stops Mm. and you get to the south or you get to the east or west or north but um 
you know, I kind of have my general idea of what it is, but um, yeah, I've been traveling, you know, I've been, you know, I've been down in Nashville a lot. I was out in Oklahoma um, recently in Memphis playing some shows um, out that way. So I'm getting around a lot more uh, recently. And like I said, I think uh, if all goes well, I'm going to be getting just about everywhere the rest of this year out to Texas and then probably out to the East coast as well. So fingers crossed that all, that all kind of goes through, but I'm looking forward to getting, getting out a little bit farther mm. and, and playing these songs for people. So. Cool, man. And what's the uh, crowd's been like as you've gotten further away? Cause I feel like, especially if you're calling yourself black day country, and this is Midwestern country, nothing will solidify that sound or viewpoint more than, you know, traveling to the home sure. of red day country or something. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, I, you know, people have been really warm about it. You know, I, I, I try to say at least a mention of it on stage to, to just say, you know, like, hey, I'm from the Midwest and I have a song called Boy From Illinois that's on the new record. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll usually slip it in in there saying, you know, I call what we do Black Dirt Country. Um, and people have been really warm, welcome on it. And people people seem to like it. So, um, you know, it's always great to get some sort of reassurance there. Right, man. I'm with country fresh that was from an ashtray at the recording studio was it yeah oh have yeah you, have you robbed that ashtray yet or is it still there <laughs> i don't know if i can answer that question but because <laughs> <laughs> um, i feel like because yeah. it was there while you were recording your second album and then it was there again while you were recording this one so yeah no, no it, one's gonna miss it are they right i don't think so well <laughs> yeah i don't think so <laughs> Yeah. And it was, I mean, it was in way in the back, uh, you know, so the first time it was way in the back. I mean, it literally had like cobwebs and dust all over it. And and I asked my engineer, he's worked there forever. And he's like, Oh dude, I haven't seen that. Like I've never even seen that. He's like, it's probably been there for 40 years. So I'm like, Oh, well, that's cool. Um, and that's where I got the, he got in my head and I started using the phrase to just describe anything I liked, like good food, a good moment, mm. you know, a good, good song, good music, whatever. And then we, you know, I went back and I recorded it in that same, same studio uh, last year when I made country fresh and I was looking around for, it and I couldn't find him. Like, dude, you, you know where that uh, country fresh ashtray is. And he's like, ah, and I was like, oh, I haven't seen it since that day. So we went looking around and sure enough, it wasn't in the same spot, but it was like way in the back again in a different corner and uh, I was like, wow, incredible. Because he knew, you know, we were recording the record Country Fresh anyway. So and then I put it out in the middle for everyone. And where it is now, I, I can't say. speak to. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's, uh, it, it was very special to me. I, I'm, I love it. It's great. Yeah. No, that's awesome, man. And it's such like a good phrase. It reminded me, I don't know if you know, there was a thing in the 90s called Syphil and Ollie, which was like sock puppets. Oh, okay. No, and it was... It was done by, do you remember Liam Lynch? He was a musician. He did My United States of Whatever, which was quite a big oh, hit yeah. in like the mid-2000s. Yeah. Sure. It, it was his puppet show. And he he did this thing called Crescent Fresh. And it was explaining that people used this phrase in a scene near him. And he was just singing a song with these puppets about what Crescent Fresh is and is not. I, the second I read Country Fresh, I ended up doing a deep dive on watching them videos again because I was like... <laughs> I fucking get it, man. <laughs> oh, I love it. I'm going to look that up too now. I'll, I'll send you a link to it. I've, I just sent it to my mate because I remember we, used, we watched it in high school and for mm. ages we were those annoying kids. I kept stolen calling stuff present fresh. And right. everyone was like, that's not a fucking thing. I was like, if we say it enough, it will be. Oh, that's great. Yeah, right, right. Oh, that's great. 
Yeah, it's it's kind of got like its own sound to it. That's why I fell in love with it right away when I heard it. I'm like, and again, I always go back to that. Even back then, I was, you know, kind of caught up in the genre thing. And like, you know, I never knew what to identify as for genre. Um, and I was like, oh, this is this is the fucking best because yeah. it's country, but it's still one extra word, you know, so yeah. it's like its own thing. But yeah, yeah that, that's funny. And it's it's showing the joy of it as well, man. It's not just like this is country, which can be like, I'm planting my flag and this is the hill I'm dying on. It's like, it's country right. fresh, man. This is something we need to celebrate. Right. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're totally right. There is a little bit of, um, there's a little bit of funness to it. I think that, uh, yeah, you wouldn't get if it was just like you said, just straight up country, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Cool, man. And obviously I've been doing a bit more research and things. I saw, I think it was the Bluegrass Station said that your cornbread and chili is your version of Guy Clark's homegrown tomatoes, which is mm-hmm. a, hell of a tagliner you must be hell proud with that one yeah 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 i mean i've been wanting to write i mean so i'm a huge guy clark fan um did you ever get to see him live no i didn't that was one of my goals because i saw john prine um and a couple times actually and then towns had already passed so i was Mm. hoping i'd be able to see guy clark live but um i wasn't able to Mm. unfortunately so huge huge fan i mean he's you know one of my top top inspirations so he's got a lot of mentions of food, you know, he's got Texas cooking, yeah. which is also another great, I mean, that chorus is incredible. Um, Cause he walks that line of where he can write a song about food, but it's, it's like not too silly, but it's mm. also still fun. Kind of like yep. you're kind of like we were saying. Um, so I've always wanted to do that and I've just never been, it never came natural. I mean, I tried and it, it just never worked. Um, and then when I moved out, out here to Indiana, um, this yeah cornbread and chili just kind of came out i mean i eat i love cornbread and i love chili and that's what i eat a lot so it kind of came out naturally and then when i went into the studio i remember telling the guys like hey you know basically that like i don't want this to be hokey but it's also still kind of a fun song and i and everyone's like oh it's it'll be fine and then we went in and tracked it and like it it hit the way it is Mm -hmm. on the record and i was like okay this is great i love it it it, it sort of walks that line so No, that's sick, man, because like it's hard with artists like Guy Clark or Prime and stuff where they have that humor and things Mm -hmm. too. If you try and force it, you can spot it a mile away. But that was one of those things. Comprehensively, it has that kind of lighthearted vibe to it, but it's not like I wouldn't have put the Guy Clark connection really if I hadn't seen that tagline from Mm -hmm. Bluegrass Station because obviously I know that song, but it's it wasn't like, oh, he's trying to do this. Right, right. Which I, I'm, I'm glad. And it really, I should also preface with, I mean, it, it came, it's definitely sincere. I mean, my, I always say if I have any vice, it's food. I mean, <laughs> I've, I've, I've partied in my life. I've done it, you know, I've had some fun, but like food is certainly my vice. It's what I look forward to every day and it's what I can get carried away with. So uh, like I've, I, that I wanted to, to try to verbalize that somehow mm. um, in one of my songs. And then, getting into guy Clark, I kind of saw how he did it sort of gracefully. Um, and then that's where this was kind of born from. So I, I do appreciate the kind words on that. Cause that I've been, you know, trying to do that for a while. And then it was almost when I forgot about it is when it came naturally. Yeah. It was interesting. Right on, man. With food and stuff, when you're touring and things, do you try and like, ex- like experiment or find like new places to eat or is it hard to like, you know, because pizza every night's really not good for you as I've 
found out a couple of times right is there a way that you try and like find new food like are you a bit of a foodie when you go to different cities and things when you're on tour oh yeah yeah absolutely just because there's just so much good out here especially you go you know you go to like texas the barbecue is incredible i mean even in like nashville i mean they have tons of good nashville hot chicken um so yeah i mean that's one of my favorite things me and my the, my bass player who t- tours with me a lot he uh he's like me too he just loves food so my only way to get around it is like, I'll try to just drink coffee all day and like not eat a bunch of stuff while we're driving. And then, you know, have a good, um, a good guilt-free meal whenever I get to wherever we're at. But yeah, it's it's one of my favorite things to do. And also breakfast is the best. So we'll, um, try all the different places, but the safe bet is a Cracker Barrel. Have you been to a Cracker Barrel ever? No. It's so good. It's like biscuits, sweet tea. It's, it's really good comfort. Uh, Mm breakfast food out here and they're everywhere they're yeah they're probably i'm sure they're in every single state so that's always sort of the safe bet if you're in the middle of nowhere you could always go to a cracker barrel so that's <laughs> uh i've been to plenty of those around have there any have there been any like highlights of the things that have stood out your culinary experiences that you just always hankering for or if you know you're going to be back in that city like i'm gonna hit there yeah um gosh there is well in that in tennessee the Nashville hot is always great. They have like Nashville hot chicken, which is um, kind of spicy chicken. That's great. Um, they have a cool, really cool breakfast place that I love called Lo- Loveless. It might be a little mainstream, but I still think it's great. And they have these homemade biscuits and jam out there. Um, and then Texas, all the barbecue, I just absolutely love. There's just so much good food out there. Yeah. And do you do much cooking at home? Do you like barbecue and things? You know, I don't. My my buddy, my bass player, he does it. He does, you know, he'll do all the smoked meats and all that mm-hmm. kind of shit. But uh, I love to eat it. But I don't. I don't cook it too much. I mean, I cook a little bit, but just basic stuff. Yeah. Um, I'm more. Uh, I go out more when I'm kind of celebrating good food. Yeah. Yeah. No, I've just. Uh, I dug my barbecue out last yesterday from the shed, and it was not in good shape. So I had to scrub it down, and I've been, you know, just steel wiring the grill for the last like day and a bit just to get it back yeah. up to shape and get it ready for the good weather right right yeah what's it like out by you guys now is it nice it, it's britain so it's still shit yeah but, <laughs> but right. it's, it's been quite nice today and it had a bit of rain so i'm hoping obviously it's like good friday and like the bank holiday we've got like four days off after today so oh, i'm cool. hoping to get some barbecue and done maybe sunday or monday while i'm off but okay. i really like i got am taught i don't know if you know the plot hounds they're a minnesotan band Okay. Um, Noah, the singer from that, taught me how to turn like a kettle drum into a smoker, like a kettle barbecue. Yeah. So I managed to do a couple of those last year where I smoked some pork shoulders. So I'm itching to do that again. But I'm more itching about just being able to have eight hours free time to actually do that. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, it's going to be a good feeling. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, man. But obviously with Country Fresh, what are your plans for 2022? Because obviously, Letting Go came out during the pandemic. So mm-hmm. you're kind of touring two records this year. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny. Someone else said that too. And um, that's absolutely right. I mean, my set right now is pretty much half and half of Letting Go, half mm-hmm. of uh, Country Fresh. Um, yeah. I mean, again, it's I pending something that I should know pretty quickly. I think full time touring, I think mm-hmm. just playing as much as I can getting out. Um, I'm already, I've written most of the songs that I, I want to do uh, on the next record. Mm. So going to start kind of demoing those out and figuring out where I want to make that record and, and how that process is going to go. Um, but those are my main two goals is just get out, 
play as much as possible in um, outside of sort of this area. And then, yeah, get these, get these new songs down so I can, you know, get some uh, studio time scheduled for next year and get this next record going. So cool, man. And just to go a bit more inside of baseball, I got pitched your stuff from a sweetheart PR who had contacted to try because I had Charles Wesley Godwin on a while back and they kind of represented him and I got him in the Danbury's and every now and then they sent me an email or stuff and one of yours like yours was what jumped at me and I was like I definitely want to fucking talk to this guy what what was the kind of thought process behind hiring a PR person because I know sometimes I think younger musicians or musicians new to the game they think writing a good record's enough Mm -hmm. and that's very rarely the case what was the kind of idea behind working with a PR company to get country fresh tomorrow? You said you worked with them before or worked with a PR company before. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, so I actually know uh, Rachel over there who works there. So we've known each other over the years. So that was kind of the, it was kind of the catalyst for it all. It was like, Hey, I want to put this record out. Can you help? And she, she's always, you know, great with, with wanting to help. And, putting out letting go over the pandemic you know was such a record that I also believe so much in and it means so much to me that you know it was great I got some you know got some really good ears on it and stuff but um you know it was a really tough time to put a record out so I knew I wanted to just had to do everything possible for this record Mm. um so that's kind of where it stemmed from you know I I had a read an article a long time ago about from Sturgill Simpson saying when he put out um High Top Mountain that first record you know, and he talked about it. He's like, you know, it doesn't matter how good your record is. Like, unfortunately, the way the business model is, you you know, you need somebody who's nobody's going to write write about it unless you get it to them, and you can only yeah. get it to them through this this model. So, um, I don't know. I I noted that right away when I read that article. I kept that in the back of my head. You know, knowing that you need a little bit of help, no matter how much you believe in your record or whatever, just it, it always helps. So. Um, I hit up Rachel and, and she was, she was down to do that. And that's mm-hmm. when kind of put the team together. I also just started working with the manager that we had been talking, I had been talking to for a while and we, we really hit it off. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's, uh, he's helped me tremendously. And he also was, um, you know, fully in support of like, Hey, let's, let's do this one as big as possible. Yeah. Let's, let's get some help on the PR side. So that's kind of where all that came from. Yeah. Cool, man. No, I, I like, I released a record in 2020 as well during a pandemic. So it's good to know that we're both marketing geniuses yeah <laughs> we'll be known in history now for that yeah yeah just a real smart decision <laughs> i know you know yeah i go back and forth kicking myself for it sometimes and then i think well if i didn't put it out it would have been no- nothing for the whole year yeah. so i don't know i go back and forth between it but um yeah that that's <laughs> yeah it's funny to think about it i think we're in the, i think in the long run we're we we did the right thing, or at yeah. least I want to hope so. Yeah, I think it showed the non-physical side of music is still there, and people still yeah. needed and wanted music. And mm-hmm. that's what I'm. That's what the store I'm clinging to to be like. Yeah, this <laughs> this was a small thing, even though I couldn't tour it because it's still kind of reconciling. Like it used to be, you had to tour, and that's how you made a living because the music industry was in the fucking brink. But then if the touring right. goes away you still have to kind of conform to the music industry as it kind of is. And that's how you get your music out. Are you independently releasing your music? Are you on a label? Or... So, yeah, I'm doing it all independently. Me and my manager nice. have been, um, you know, doing this all on our own. We, 
we're working with Soundly for distribution and they're mm. helping get, get the, the records and record stores and everything. And they've been great and they've been really, you know, believers of the record, which has helped a ton too. And they're mm. all great people. So we have a little team put together. Um, but yeah, it's, it's all independent, um, mm. you know, just doing, doing the best you can. Yeah. No, that's the best thing, man. And I think that's one of the good things. It's you don't realize until you're in it. Obviously, the way everything's been set up before that is it's like you need a manager, you need a label, you need this, you need that. And it's like, well, if you have the right people, you can bypass a label because they're going to take your music and you don't own it anymore. So if you can find someone to work independently with you, you can kind of in this day and age bypass that whole system because you can still work with distribution networks. If you get a good PR person like Rachel, you can still reach people that you wouldn't normally. And I think you're a great example of an independent artist who's coming up, talented, great records to back it up, but is also, and this is the huge thing is being on the fucking ball with the kind of back end of everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. God, it's, it's great. You know, it's tough as you know, yeah. right. It's like, it's, it's tough, but in the end, at this point, at least it is nice to know you, the, you know, I own my music. Yeah. I assume you're in the same boat, which is, yeah. you know, a good place to be in. So, yeah, I think, um, I agree. I think you can do it on your own, especially nowadays. I mean, it's like, if you, you know, you get the right sort of help in certain places, yeah. you know, you can do it and kind of just keep pushing. You know, I had some label interest too coming into this and, talked to my manager a lot about it and um you know we're kind of like let's just let's just do this you mm-hmm. know and see what we can do and so far it's been a really nice response and you know I'm, i get humbled every day you know mm-hmm. from people reaching out and just nice nice kind words like and meeting good folks like yourself <laughs> and uh you know so yeah it's it's motivating to like okay you know maybe just keep keep doing this as long as you can so yeah i think it's got to be a good feeling as well because it's not like this is your first record where when you're releasing your first record, they're the questions that you really consider. It's like, should I be on a label? But you know, this is three records and now you're kind of hitting your stride in the game and you know what you're about and what you want to do and what you don't want to do, which is one of the most important things. Right. Oh, hundred percent. I think those are some of the best lessons I've learned at least over the past, like five years or all the things I know I don't want to, be in roads I don't want to go down so yeah I mean I think that's some of the most important stuff cool man and you recently did some shows with Jeremy Pinnell do you have any other kind of gigs with other people coming up um I'm actually might be doing a couple more uh, another kind of longer run with Jeremy pending a couple things but uh yeah if I've been lucky enough I put you know I've been um, able to play with some really great bands that I look up to Mike and the moon pies, mm. another great band. And I, I love those guys. And, you know, they've been kind enough to bring me on for some stuff. Mm. Um, Flatline Calvary. I played with them recently in Chicago at the end of last year, which was a great show. They're, they're killer mm. too. Um, so yeah, all these, the, the shows is, are the biggest like pending thing in my life yeah. right now. So I'm trying to lock some of that stuff down so I can get things announced, but yeah, yeah, hopefully some, some cool things coming up this year. Yeah. Oh, that's like, I just kind of forgot. I was meant to be playing with Mike and the moon pies in Manchester this week yeah, on the Monday, just gone, but they've rescheduled the whole tour to next year. And I was really fucking excited about getting to see them live and hopefully buying, like they'd have merch so I could like buy shit. Oh, wow. And you were going to open for them? Yeah. I was oh, going to be opening great. the Manchester show. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Mike and all those guys are great. Um, Oh man. Well, hopefully, uh, yeah, you get a chance. Is he, have you seen him play yet before? No, I've not seen them play that thing. I don't know if this is their first UK tour. It's meant to be their first UK tour, 
but I think it's either the first or second, and I was really fucking excited to see them because yeah. the new album's brilliant. Yeah, and it's so good. Um, the promoter, I was like, can I get on it? And I, it all got approved, and then obviously it got rescheduled due to COVID and whatever. And I'd kind of been like, all right, whatever, I'll get on it with it. But I forgot to take the notification on my calendar, and it popped up on Monday the 11th. Like, my, I was like, fuck. Uh, yeah, that's a rough <laughs> reminder, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, I'm sure you'll uh, you'll get on that other one. They're they're great, man. They're, yeah. they're so cool to, to play with. They put on such a good show, all really good guys. Um, yeah, it's been a pleasure to kind of get to know them over the, the years. I've played with them a couple times, and uh, each time it's just – it's always such a yeah. such a good time. Yeah. Right, Oman, and with those tours, are you getting out of Illinois and stuff again? Is it like with the Jeremy stuff, is that a longer run down like the East Coast or? Yeah, a little bit everywhere. So I recently did a, did those uh, little run with Jeremy, which was, um, it was kind of Midwest. It was Ohio and mm. Kentucky, so South, South and, and West a little bit. Um, and then, yeah, some pending stuff that's going to be South again, but uh, a little bit different South and south and west again too so yeah finally getting getting out of sort of the immediate like midwest yep. like indiana illinois area hmm. no right on man well we've hit up the hour mark i don't want to take up too much of your time because i know you've got to stare at a wall and get really excited for the chicago show tomorrow <laughs> right, right right yeah is there anything you do to kind of prepare for live gigs or you know is it you do you all gather around the air country fresh ashtray and pray to the country gods or anything <laughs> right you know what i think i'm gonna start doing that that's what might be my routine for tomorrow um you know i prepare a little bit i'll just i'll just kind of sing and, and 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 uh pick a couple tunes to to warm up but um nothing really i mean the only sort of thing i do i always step away like you know 20 minutes or so before going on stage i always like to i like to be alone for a little bit and just kind of especially if it's gonna, a, a larger crowd um you know kind of just shake shake everything off and just kind of get uh get focused you know because yeah. sometimes it's easy you know if you're partying and then before you know it you're going on and you're walking from the bar to the stage and you don't you don't get a minute and I always find that throws me off a little bit mm. um you know because I do have a couple drinks before I play mm. so I like to step away I usually set a, an alarm on my my phone you know like 15 to 20 minutes out and I'll go mm. sit in the van or whatever and and uh kind of decompress yeah I can be fresh kind of going in. Yeah. Cool, man. Is there any sign of a UK or European tour coming? Man, I would absolutely love to. Um, I had a, I actually had more to talk to me about it um, right before the pandemic stuff. So I don't know, it'd be something I would love to revisit, but, um, but yeah, nothing, nothing on the, on the books now, but hopefully. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, I'll let you crack on with the rest of your day and thank you so much for chatting to us. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on. It was great chatting with you, Mike, and uh, I look forward to uh, hopefully seeing you whenever I get to the other side of the pond. Oh, most definitely, man. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Talk to you soon. And that was episode 47 of Into the Van with Mike West and David Quinn. Into the van, into the bag, as we always say. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. I really enjoyed chatting to David with these podcasts. I love talking to people, but sometimes you have to kind of, 
you know, get yourself in the mood to do it. You have to motivate yourself, psych yourself up to begin a conversation because you don't know which way it's going to go. But David was an absolute fucking delight. His album Country Fresh is out now. It's phenomenal. Thank you so much to Rachel from Sweetheart PR for sending him over. Um, yeah, I hope you guys are having a good week. I hope you keep listening to the things you love. I hope you keep watching the things you love. I hope you keep supporting the things you love because that's the main thing. And, you know, if you've enjoyed Into the Van, please leave a review. Please share it with your friends. Tell one person. And until next time, folks, stay safe. See you later.